You're listening to The Contrary Beekeeper Show. I'm Dan. I'm Greg. And I'm James. Join us as we journey into beekeeping while we learn to be the change, one hive at a time. Well, we're back, and it's December, and it's probably time for a winter update. There's been a lot going on, a lot of squirrely weather here. It's been getting cold, it's been getting warm, it's been getting cold again, so there's been a lot of bee activity, and uh, it's probably a good time to kind of share the how our bees were doing going into the wintertime, what we did for them or didn't do for them, and uh, what we hope to uh, see with them coming into the spring. Yeah, it's definitely really cold today, and I'm sure people are going to laugh when I say 16 degrees is really cold, but it is really cold. It gets way colder at your place than it does here, and you're only, what, an hour and a half northwest? I'd say from here, probably just a little bit more west. Yeah. Yeah. Right here here in the hills here, it it seems to kind of break up all the trees and the hills. Yeah. It seems to break it up, but all the ice is frozen over, and all the critters, all their animals' waters are frozen over. It's been a nightmare, but yes, it is. Then you have all the winds of Ohio that come through. It makes the cold even worse. And you're up yes. in the northeast, Jimbo, and it's you get the lake effect snow. How, how's it getting? It's getting pretty cold there too. Oh yeah, yeah. When I left this morning, it was like 22 degrees. Yeah, and it's supposed to fall fall even further by this all day by tonight, all day long. Yeah, has the lake started to freeze yet? No, we're still getting lake effect snow. Once the lake freezes, we'll be fine. But yeah, that's that's always the the trick is waiting until about January until it freezes. Do you ever walk to Canada from your house? No, but we get Canada radio stations. <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah, no, yeah. Wow. And we actually have Border Patrol, believe it or not, right along where we live. No way. Yeah, we got to keep the Canadian uh, the drug pro- to stop the, the drug problems out. It's not the drugs, it's the maple syrup. Smuggling in that maple syrup. Ooh, a good maple syrup. Oh, God. Ooh. I wish that was a problem, but no, I'm there's, there's, black market there's actually syrup. literally a problem of uh, drug smuggling coming from Toronto to Cleveland. Oh, Toronto has a drug power model. You guys that. realize it's December and it's time to be out getting all the maple stuff ready. It's time to <laughs> start running to already get the tap line shored up and get your collection barrels ready and get everything set up to start cooking down already in December. Well, hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the country maple syrup maker. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Dan. <laughs> so what, how, Jimbo, how's things going up, up in your way? How, how did your bees do uh, going through the fall? Uh, the bees did pretty well going through the fall. We added on a few more supers to each hive, and uh, they seem to be thriving pretty well going into fall. Um, no mite problems or anything like that. And I uh, did not did not treat going in, into winter. Um, fair. Let's just see how it goes this year. And uh, we maybe we moved the uh, the hives close together to try to get them a uh, sink their heat up. Mm-hmm. So they're all now on top of each other. So you said you didn't have any mite problems. And how do you know that? We did the mite, we did the mite count, the alcohol wash. You yeah. did do that? Yes, I did. Okay, and I think we had a poll. We were trying to guess how many mites were in you, you, you were going to have in your alcohol wash. I think it was like it was like three three mites. Three, and I think yeah. that's I think that's what we were guessing was between two and four. So you had three, and when was that? When did you do that? Oh, maybe late September, early October. Okay. Nice. So that's that's pretty low. That's not, you know. I think uh, getting into like August when you get into like seven, nine, ten uh, per alcohol wash per three hundred bees there. I think that's when you get to the thresholds where that could be your problem. If you've had you know three, that's 
there's so many different thoughts on that to be preventative with treatment or using a salic acid or formic or any other the ways there or obviously not doing it all is also a, a way to handle that too and what were your reasons for not treating mainly i had no time to do it yeah <laughs> i'm not gonna lie it's, it's it here it was say it was all altruistic uh I'm just going to be all purple and, you know, yeah. not treat my bees, man, because they're, it's all the natural thing to do. I'm, I literally have a job for a living that's not beekeeping. Yeah. I just did not have time to do it this year. Um, if I did have time, I probably would have. Yeah. So how many hives did you, are you going into the winter with? Three hives. And so you started off with uh, three packages, and one of them started to fall off, right? Yep. And yep. you requeened one of the hives. We 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 little little bit. We requeened mm-hmm. one of the hives, and uh, it 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 took a long time for it to start picking up speed again, and was finally able to add a super on to it. Um, but that's all that we went into the fall with is one super on the top of it. Yeah. And uh, didn't didn't touch anything inside of it. You know, just left it all for them, and you know, ho- you know, hopes to see that you know as they're getting stronger, they can have their their stores and make it through the winter. Nice. So you had so three going into the winter time. One of them had one super on top. What about the other two hives? The other two hives had three supers each. Each. Yep. Holy wow. cow! Yeah. Jeez. And you didn't make a pole. Make a what? You didn't make a honey pole. No, no. I just you know I wanted to, but you know being my first year and just just experiencing this, um, I just I'm nervous on whatever I do. So I just figured you know we'll just leave it there and. What's a honey pole? Where you pull honey off of your hives? I thought you said a honey pole. Yes, what I thought like, he said too. But like a pole, you know, like a like a like a round tube <laughs> that goes vertically. <laughs> well, this is, this is this is Dan's. We're talking. Oh, okay, about Dan. And, yeah. Well, that's you know that's I mean that's so that's cool. So as long as that even either way, if your bees tragically die, you'll have a decent amount of honey in the spring, and if they live you'll still likely have a decent amount of honey. Right. And, that, and that's what, you know, when I called you one time talking about that and saying, you know, Hey, what do you, what do you think about, you know, leaving it or taking a little bit? Cause you know, I was just getting kind of anxious and kind of want to taste my own honey and it's just being patient and yeah, being, being patient and just waiting to spring to either I'm going to get it or I'm not going to get, get the, you know, I'm going to get the honey one way or another, but the, whether the bees live or die, we want them to live. Better for them to have it and not need it, and then need it and not have it. Exactly. Yeah. And then once spring hits, I you know they can go fend for themselves, and I can you know steal whatever honey's left you know from them. Wow, that's great. So you literally have three, six, seven honey supers over. Have three. you tried any of that? Like shove your hive tool, hive tool in there or anything? Yeah. When, when, you know when I work the hives, yes. Yeah, obviously, there's going to be some you know uh, spoils of the yes. of the booty there. Yeah. <laughs> Wow, that's cool. And then one thing you can do with that other hive that only has the one super, for some reason, if those bees need more and your other bees need over. less, you can just, you could, you could rob some yeah. frames out or mm-hmm. move a box down. Yeah. You've got, you have options. That's kind of a smart move as a first year beekeeper to be really conservative, not take any honey off, leave them plenty, let them maintain the honey, mm-hmm. and then uh, come out of the spring and, and see what you have. It's hard being patient, but I think that's the right move. It's a smart move. And also, if you do have that, all that extra honey on there, um, you know you have options coming into the spring as far as if you want to make splits, you have honey and you're going to have probably some pollen in there too. Yeah. So yeah. just out of curiosity, your first year of actually actively working them is coming to a close or has closed. 
What's your overall thoughts on the first year of actually having them? I am, what comparison of like what you thought you're getting into and what how it really is? Because I know mine were totally different. I didn't really have expectations going into it. I just had kind of uh, irrational fears. Yeah, you know, and I got over those irrational fears after the first few times of being in, you know, working in the hives. Um, yeah, I got stung a few times. How uh, many? About three times oh, throughout bad. the year. That's it. Yeah, and then nice. only one out of three made my hand swell, swell up pretty bad. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that was because I left the I, I left the stinger in way too long so, yeah. than I should have, and I I walked to the house and was you know trying to be proper about it when I should have just scraped it out, scraped it out right away. You know, like yeah. your hive tool has an edge on it that's really good at scraping them. Yeah, the problem is I have like I have a lot of poison ivy around me, so mm-hmm. I tried. I don't I don't want to trade a, a sting for poison yeah. ivy. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. that that was my. Th- thought process but i got i gotta do a better job of that next year you can also mm-hmm. just like take unzip your jacket if you got like a regular cotton shirt on and rub where that stinger's at on your shirt and the little knitting of your cotton shirt will also snag that stinger and sack and can pull it out too like if you get stung on your face mm-hmm. you're not gonna take a hive tool and be scraping your eyeballs your eyelids out but you can just take your shirt and just put it up over your eyes or your sleeve and you can rub that area off, and the, it'll they'll get caught in the shirt. So it's another no way. Another, another neat little hack. Yep. I, and uh, you know, just to kind of finish off, where I find myself at an interesting point here in end of this year. Um, you know, everyone knows like if you want bees for next year, now's the time to order them. Yes. Otherwise, they're gonna be sold out. So you know, I was talking with the wife about it, and you know, playing this game of, you know, I don't know if my bees are gonna you know live or not. We hope they do, but I don't want to be in a situation where they none of them live, and I find out too late, and then I have no bees for the year. Yeah, and then I'm and I'm back a whole nother year. Well, fortunately, you have friends that have bees that might be able to help you out. Yeah, so yeah, you know, I think you know, you know, we're gonna we're gonna order bees, you know, through Greg and whatnot this year. Yeah, and I guess I just get a free plug from Jimbo. Wait, Greg Burns of Nature's Image Farm. Wow, thanks for... I was going to say, how do you want to order bees from Greg? Do <laughs> well, well, explain. Well, well, Greg is uh, going, to be going down to Don, the fat bee man's uh, property to pick up small-cell small bees later this spring, and he is taking orders now. You're just getting bees, or are you getting anything else? Bees and nukes and maybe queens. Oh, also just why. not packages, nukes, yeah, too. Yeah, we're going to go down to Don's okay. and, and bring back and try to get some of his stock up further north. There's a lot of folks who are interested in, in his stock to give it a shot, and it's done really well for us. It's done really well for... A lot of folks that we've already brought them to so if i needed queens could i get some from you through you could so i'll, I'll probably have queens that okay. would be overwintered small cell Ooh. queens that are from don stock i'll probably have some overwintered nukes available but i'm also going to be bringing stuff directly from georgia so some okay. folks you know are partial they will only want overwintered ohio um, stock or wherever, yeah. they, or wherever, wherever they live some folks you know that's not as important um mm-hmm. to them the you know the the Scientifically speaking, you could you could probably pull up studies either way that could prove overwintered's better or fresh from somewhere else is better. But but anyway, so yeah, so we're gonna bring up a lot of stock and looking forward to. We're actually gonna go on a route and we're delivering them through uh, up from Georgia, Tennessee, Kentucky, into Ohio. So if folks are interested, they can check out our website, Nature's Image Farm, and all the information. I have a really good web guy who uh, put all the information in there for me. And so you can take a check out all the information, the routing, the pricing. But like Jim said, the um, not just me, but every other uh, apiary or um, commercial breeder, they are 
they're, they're, they're taking orders now in December and January mm-hmm. for next year. Yeah. And there is a shortage in bees. Mm-hmm. Um, this year was another hard year for a lot of areas of the uh, parts of the country. Um, so you can expect, unfortunately, there'd, there'd be less bees available. And the prices looks like they're already kind of going up for yeah, in different parts of the country. I'd say no matter where you're at in the country, order by mid-January or you're not going to get a shot. Yep. So it's a pretty smart move, though, because you started off with three packages. You somehow made to go into the fall with three good-looking colonies, Yep. which is better than like 75% or 80% of all first-year beekeepers. And if you do go ahead and order some, some packages or some nukes now in December for or January for next year, Worst case scenario, you have your original three plus whatever you order. Mm-hmm. If you don't order any bees and go to the winter time, and you're you're like you, like you talked about, if you do have any fatality in like March or April, that's a real hard time to find packages and nukes. You're very hard pressed at that point to find anything out there. And so, let's say you do order them all, and you end up having more bees than you want to manage. That's a good problem because then you just put those into five frame nuke boxes and offer them for for sale locally, you know, for two hundred bucks, two twenty five for a local nuke, and and there you go. So there's there's always options when you actually have the stock on hand rather than not having any and trying to make up a plan. You know, and anyone out there who hasn't, hasn't beekeeped yet and is just new to this and listening and thinking the reason why are we do you know not you know why are we not checking our highs if they're alive during winter times because it does more damage than good to open up a hive during the winter time. Yeah. So we leave those alone. I know my girls propolized everything shut completely and it's yep. completely windproof. And the last thing I'd want to do is break that open and have a drafty hive. Yep. Crack it open because you're getting antsy. But that's the, the weather's been squirrely. You know, it, it was, you know, the, the, the woolly caterpillar. You know, the, the old timers would look at the, the coloration of the woolly caterpillar and be able to tell how the winter was going to unfold. And the, the woolly caterpillar has the ribs on the caterpillar itself that indicate the weeks of the year, of mm-hmm. the weeks of the winter. You know, so there's like, what, 17 of those weeks. And the first two weeks were going to be really hot. They were, they were black. And then it was like, um, oh, what was it? 12 segments of brown. And then the yep. remaining were black. So the black indicates a cold or, or a harsh winter. Then the brown is a mild or a wet winter. So the, the woolly caterpillar says we're going to start off with two rough winters or two rough weeks or cold weeks, followed by a, a long stretch of of a mild winter, and then end on two or three or four hard weeks. And so so far we've just started off with uh, we had we did have at first we had like two weeks where it was it was cold. Coming out, coming uh, right around Thanksgiving. Snow came early this year. It did. Yeah. It came early and it got everything froze over quick. And then we had this goofy. Uh, we had definitely two or three solid days, but there was a couple weeks where it got weird. And we've had you know sixty degree temps in December, and all the bees are out flying and covering everything. And a lot of folks want to get antsy and crack them open, take a look, and see if they're alive. If you have a, if you have a bee problem right now, I mean. Not much you can do. There's nothing you're gonna do about it. No, you're not changing it. Yeah, and I'm looking at that right now. Dan, how'd your what kind of shape are your bees in uh, going into like say Thanksgiving and where are they at now? Yeah, coming out of fall, going to winter, everything looked good for most of them. I had a couple that seemed somewhat weak. Uh, I found out yesterday, just putzing around doing farm chores, that I have a dead out already. 
So, and I had the one right next to it I thought was a dead out. There was dead bees covering the bottom. Uh, it actually looked like a mouse chewed into one of them because the frames are chewed back around the entrance dial. Mm. So I said, well, hell, peek in there, see how bad it is. As soon as I popped that first lid, about 25 came out angry as hell that I opened <laughs> the top lid. When did you open them? Uh, it would have been five or six, just past dark yesterday. You opened your hive up yesterday? I thought it was completely dead. Oh. I thought it was dead as a doornail. Okay. I, got, I got a small glimpse in there before I slammed it shut. I see. And it looked like that cluster was just... So how, many, how many did you go into around nine. Thanksgiving? Nine. And I got one dead for so sure. So one for sure. Yes. And then you've got one with a pile of dead bees on the entrance. Yes. That looks like a mouse was chewed on so, the brain. Yeah. So it looks like here the next couple of days will probably die out. The cluster is the size of a golf ball. Yeah. Uh, and I didn't have any time to look and see how much honey was in there because... Now is not the time to be putzing around with my bees. So no. I just slammed it shut and out of all of us, you're prayed. you're the antsiest of us all. You like oh, to yes, yes. you, you get you get some honeybee withdrawal. Oh god, yeah, I do. You want to go? Always have to tell Dan to dial it back. <laughs> yes, so much. So that's cool though. So you went with nine. You're down yes. one. We did mite counts and, and we were looking across the board out of the nine hives. We saw two to four mites per three hundred. So, but you did something different than what we did when yes. Jim and I checked and didn't have any we didn't do anything but you did it so you, you did a me, different course so uh we did a mite count i believe early spring and we saw around two mites per 300 in each hive and at that point i had that little 12 volt wand for uh a silk acid sublimation or vaporization wand, yeah. yes tried that out it uh, took a little bit longer than i really wanted it to to treat each hive and since for me bees aren't the only thing I do on the farm, I thought I'd make the investment in time and spend a little bit more money. And I went out and got me a ProVap 110, which is amazing. Yeah, it, it is really it really nice. So after that first batch of acrylic for all the bees, uh, waited till fall, went through each hive twice with the ProVap, and uh, I could definitely see that. The mic count dropped down substantially. Four. Well, they weren't. Or, you didn't really have a mic count to start with, did you? Two to uh, four. Two to four per hive across the whole board. And then so we had, I had one that looked really, really good. How many times were you treating with the with the uh, Osalic? I did uh, two treatments, ten days apart, seven days apart. Okay, so they, you they only got treated twice then. Yes, I was thinking you were treating like gung ho, like every week for three weeks and then no i didn't treat every week for no no for that time period yeah okay yeah they they got two treatments in the spring they got two in the fall two in the fall fall. yeah with the provat before they went into winter but in the spring how many did you start off with hives uh in the spring i started off with uh two hives okay went up to 10 i had a laying worker and that hive got shaken out and now i'm down to nine well, really, I'm down to eight because I got a dead possibly, out. Possibly eight. That's a dead out. Yeah. I can pick it up and it's light as can be. Yeah. So if it's not dead, it will be very, very soon. I wonder with all those dead bees on there and the fact that you did have the mouse on the front, I don't wonder if you had um, some robbing going on when you did have the warm spells, all the oh, bees I'm coming sure. out, robbed the weak ones out. And yeah. then the, the mice probably did the same thing, found a nice warm spot where there was less bees to attack mm-hmm. it and got in there and probably tore up the yep. the inside too and, and if there were bees in there i don't wonder if there were robber bees that were mm-hmm. still in there cleaning up what was left and maybe those got stuck here in the cold spell 
Yeah, mm-hmm. it, it could be, but you—I mean, you'll know. Yeah, you'll know either way. So nice. So you started off with two, got to ten, uh, and now are at, are at eight, possibly seven. Yes, eight, and I'm having—I—I I don't know exactly how to call it. I don't know if it's my fault or not, but I want to say genetic issues. Uh, I've had a horrible year of queens superseding each other. Yeah, you have. And it's been nothing but a nightmare. I had one. It was a couple different colonies. Yeah, I've had. Yeah, well, they all got split off the one colony. The other one I put into honey production for my wife and I. And uh, I mean, every single split off there just kept superseding nonstop. I think I counted one. We have one hive that did it four separate times. So at this point, I'm going to possibly be looking at getting a couple queens from made queens from somebody. Mm hmm. And just pinching the old ones or dropping them in uh, alcohol and making queen lure. Then, catch swarms. Yeah, and then putting new queens in there. Can you possibly explain to the audience like how you knew that the queens were superseding four times? Uh, I would I, I'd be in there. I'd make my split. I either waited until I had queen cells in one hive through overcrowding, or I did a couple walkaway splits. I didn't really need to do walkaway splits. I just kind of want to have that extra tool in the toolbox. Mm-hmm. Uh, but queen would come out, it would emerge. I wouldn't necessarily see the queen, but I'd go through and I'd find eggs and cells. Some of them had great laying patterns and then give it two weeks. And then there's now queen cells in there when they have plenty of extra space to spread out. So they had plenty of room. She had plenty yeah. of places to lay. Mm-hmm. Everything looked legit except yeah, the and queen I spot disappeared and yeah. she takes, and then there's, there's, you're also losing numbers probably at the same time. If she is leaving, well, at that point, I was going through and I was checking, and if I saw queen cells, then I would try to remedy that situation so I wouldn't get a swarm. So I know they, I'd want to keep putting on lots of, of yeah. queen cells yes. even after a split. Is what you're saying? Mm-hmm. Okay, gotcha. And I think that's uh, with that. There, there's that newer breed that you hear people talking about, the, the Saskatraz, which yeah. comes up from Saskatchewan, mm-hmm. Canada. And I think that's one of the difficulties I keep seeing folks talking about with with that line is that they kind of uh, inherently swarm or supersede yeah which is i guess one of the issues with like the africanized bee yeah outside of their temperament they just have a tendency well, of- i know there's some asian bees that actually swarm an ungodly amount because the varroa came from i'm trying to think oh i was reading about it it's a genetic line of bees that naturally deals with varroa and the only way they deal with it is they constantly split the hive so they're constantly having brood breaks their entire life Probably why and, the Africanized bee is yeah. such an aggressive. They've, you know, inherently over who knows how long have developed that that survival mechanism, which is to be aggressive oh, on anything so. that's threatening the hive, and then split their numbers. Which you know, which is another reason why you know getting in and making yourself splits brood breaks is, you know, I think is a very effective mechanical yes. way to help address some of those well, issues. I was looking at getting carnolian queens just because I'm in an open area. When it gets cold, it gets cold and it stays cold. And since the wind whips through, I kind of want that extra little cold tolerant bee for the spring build up a little bit faster. Now I'm kind of digging into some of these more, uh, I don't know, groomed g- genetic traits like the Purdue. Uh, There's all kinds of ankle biters. Purdue, yeah, the and Purdue hygienics. ankle biter, the VHB uh, or VHS. It or, seems like with every every one of yeah. the, that they do so great with one aspect, there's the a downfall on another one. Yes. Like, well, I don't. 
And that's the hard part is finding, getting something across the board that's really well. Because for a while I was looking at Buckfast, just because I think the story of Brother Adam's pretty badass. Yeah. But how pure that line is even more. Oh my gosh, yes. Highly subjective. But but. now I'm getting to the point where I got to hurry up and make a decision because I don't want to be that guy that waits till the end of January to order Queens and they're like, sorry, we're out. Well, the fact of the matter is you have bees right now. Yes. And it looks like unless something goes wrong, which is still possible that you're going to come out of the spring with bees. So no matter which way you go with it, you're going to have worker bees coming out. Yes. So to, to find a queen somewhere, you know, uh, there's there's a, a several of us in our little group that are going to have queens and have extras too. So I, I don't think that you're going to probably have a problem with. But I'd like to have at least like eight so I can requeen them all at one time. Yeah. Just one big push. Just mm-hmm. I like consistency. Yeah. Even though I'm thinking about moving to deeps instead of all mediums. Well, I'm going to try that out for sure next year. But that's a, that's another story. The, for the ironic day. part is there's nothing consistent about Dan. There is absolutely nothing consistent about The most about consistent me. thing about Dan is, is his inconsistency. Exactly. I thought you were going to say my laugh. <laughs> <laughs> and well, there's nice. So that's, that's cool. So your bees, are, they're in there. What did you do for them for the winter? You, you treated two in the, uh, two times in the yeah, fall. Yeah, so they got two treatments. I did you just, wrap them all with tar paper? Did you wrap them in house wrap? Did you put I a bubble over them, 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 them in a garage? What would you do? Smashed them all together on uh, two separate stands. And they're just kind of sitting there. Uh, all the entrance dials are, the bottom ones are completely open, and the rest of them are shut, just the ventilation holes, just so critters don't get in there. On your brood boxes, right? Because you don't all have, boxes. you have ventilation holes on everything? Everything. Every box? Yep. Because I think we, because I have them on all the front of every box. I don't have them on the front and back. Okay, so you don't have any cross flow ventilation? No. You have holes because, in the yeah, just because it's so open, that wind whips right yeah. through. And I'm seeing some of my bees that going into fall, they're closing up some of those entrance dials anyways because there's too much ventilation. Mm-hmm. So well, I guess you'll know in the spring. I will. How that pays off if you start seeing dead outs with mold and, yeah, you know, gross stuff in it. But so nice. How are your uh, little girls doing, Greg? They're doing pretty good. We started off and, um, in the fall time, or it, I, I kind of in the same boat with Jimbo as I had higher ambitions than I could find the time for. Yes, I know that feeling. So uh, we did do some alcohol washes to kind of gauge uh, what mite loads we may have had. We took the two biggest, strongest hives that had the less splits uh, from them, and uh, we had the same thing, zero to two mites is what we were coming up with. So I didn't really feel the pressure um, or the need to be preventative. Now, that could be a problem. I, maybe I should have been preventative with the salic. But um, I, I think there's there's something to be fleshed out here with my journey with small cell um, bees um, and this method that we've kind of applied here to where it may have been too much of a risk to go into the wintertime without any kind of a treatment. Yeah. Um, but so you're sec- are you second guessing that decision now? I'm well, there's or? it's, I'm finding myself with, you know, going into, uh, when I went, when we, you know, going from like two hives to five hives to 10 yeah. to now 20 and 30, you cross into territory from where you go from like a hobbyist to, a backyard beekeeper mm-hmm. to almost sideliner scale. Um, and our goals are definitely to, to grow a, a, a very small, um, resilient apiary. 
yes commercial apiary and when you're now that we're getting at the level that we are now with the number of colonies it's like the cows over at the farm or the chickens or or anything else here you have a you have a certain exposure and you have a certain investment you have in them and when you're looking at the potential loss by not taking a certain amount of action versus taking it there's a certain risk that you assume and right now we're at the we're at the point to where the risk that we're taking to go down this path with not treating um even if they come out of the spring and they're great or half of them do yeah it's still business wise is it seems like the most ridiculous thing in the world not to be preventative if there is no adverse reaction and i know the way you think because I'm very similar to where if half your bees die coming into spring, you're going to be thinking, well, if I treated, how many would I have in total? Because that's the same thing yeah. I did with the whole, uh, when I did formic acid versus staghorn sumac, and that whole thing fell in the space for me. If you lose if you lose 10 hives that you could have saved with three cents of a salic acid, and there's no, yeah. and there's no health issue at all by using it, you know, 10 hives coming out of the spring that you could split three times each and make three nukes off of at $200. Mm-hmm. That's $600 in nukes off of each hive. 600 times 10, you do the math, and all of a sudden, it's the, the potential for loss gets to be pretty extreme. And this is at small scale. Yeah. You know, this is just at small, very hardly even considered sideline. This is still larger backyard scale. And you can already see when you start adding the numbers, you know, you, you get into a territory where you know what? What you do things because you have a passion for them. You do things because you feel like you have a calling, or that's something that you want to head down. And then you do some things because they also make business sense. Well, before we get too far ahead, we've talked about before. What's the difference between uh, the backyard, sideline, commercial? There's, there's, I don't know. It, amateur. It's, it's probably more opinion based yeah. than anything. But to me, if if you're someone and you've got, you know, two or three hives. Well, uh, I know a lot of people haven't heard the term sideliner before. So yeah, okay. So two or three hives would be like like a maybe like, like a hobbyist. <laughs> yeah, you know, five to ten hives would be like a backyard beekeeper. When you're getting to me, just in my experience, when you hit ten hives and more, it requires so much extra time that it becomes a part time job. Yeah, and so when it, when it becomes a part time job feeling, then I think you start to get into the sideliner where you're sidelining or, or or moonlighting as a beekeeper. Okay. And that's when you need to figure out uh, what insurance do you have on these bees now. You put so much time, you've invested right. your time and money into them. You need insurance. Yep. It's, it's, and there, you know, there are some cheap insurance policies uh, by doing mechanically doing brood breaks or using osalic acid um, or even strips, things, things of that nature that you can insure the health of your bees. But on the flip side, like with us raising a large family here on the homestead, you know, we, we subscribe to a certain, uh, mental approach to where we don't go around fixing things that aren't broke. So we don't feel that 72 vaccines for each kid is something that is appropriate. Um, and as a result, we have super healthy, hardy kids with the bees, you know, it, it's a similar um, approach, but we have to be smart about it um, because they're the, the bees, while we're passionate about it and they fit into our overall, why we do what we do there's still a dollar and cents to it. And I can't afford to keep, I I can't afford to have bees at this scale and be woo woo with it. Um, because I don't have that kind of money to burn. But it's also apples and oranges at this point. You're comparing right here, right? You know, 
kids are a lot more resilient than a you know than bees are. A bug, you know, a bug. Yeah, yes, true. But and I, a little I think more the mental approach. In your children than you do a bug. True, but it's the, the mental <laughs> approach. You know, typically, you know, know we, we try to break things just, down. You know, yeah. It, it, when it, it it's while there's similarities there, they are completely different. However, here on the farmstead, bees are like another enterprise. And so when you look at bees as another farmstead enterprise, you know, it would be like me not 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 watering or feeding the cows. And if I had one come up that uh, that I could potentially save its life. When we first were, were going down this road, I literally had this stupid, ridiculous idea that if I ever have pigs and if I ever raise pigs and they get pneumonia or they get sick, I'm not giving them an antibiotic and and then they'll just die. Because that's totally the humane thing to do. Because that's what most folks in this holistic uh, farming movement or folks that are, I should say, folks that are getting into it who don't have the experience have that mentality. And then before you know it, everything is going right for the first couple years here. And the next thing you know, I'm I'm holding baby dead pigs that are dying from pneumonia because I had a new set of circumstances that I had no idea what to do. It's it's a whole different game until you're holding that animal you have invested. When you're holding that animal and 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 the last breath is on your lap. And it's just sitting there suffering. Then your opinion actually matters. And and because of those type of experiences, it's, it's caused me to think a little bit differently about what I do with the bees moving forward. Yes. So... And I, and I totally get that you have that attachment to your animal and it's one of the most difficult things sitting there and actually watching it suffer. I've had a few critters die on me now and it, shit really sucks. And yeah. it, it eats, it, for me, it eats at me because I always sit back and think, well, what, what could I, I do? Done dif- yeah. What could I do different? Oh, what I did can't, I do wrong? I can't give it penicillin because that's an antibiotic and that's terrible. Right. And then the next day I have a bottle of penicillin in my fridge just in case. Yeah, I now have country hams hanging up in the summer kitchen that wouldn't be here if I would have let those animals die. Yeah, absolutely. And you also have that on your you have that weight on your conscience. Mm-hmm. You know, I I let these animals die because my ideals were more important. Yes, than the reality very, of the situation. And it's a very fine line between yes, it needs antibiotics once ill. Versus, let's sprinkle it in their feed so they always that's get true. it. That's true, and, and that's also a really good point. Because I'm sure you're not going to be putting antibiotics and in your see, kids' Cheerios. That, that's a great point, because some folks, when they raise livestock, when they're raising pigs, they clip tails, they yep. clip teeth, they give them iron, they give them an antibiotic, they give them a, a boost to start with. Yep. They've, you know, some, either, either something's happened and they've lost and learned the hard way, and that's what they do preventatively. Yes. Or that's what they did because grandpa did. Mm-hmm. Um, and then some folks only kind of treat as needed and then monitor the situation. So that's the same thing with beekeepers. Some beekeepers are, uh, you know, by the book of salic acid, followed yes. up by, uh, you know, by strips using formic acid, um, the whole the whole schmear there. Um, and then you find us beginners that are super contrary in lots of things. Um, and I find myself making the same decisions with pigs that I do with chickens that I do even with bees to where I'm not going to preventatively for no reason take action that there has to be a reason to do something now not doing not taking action sometimes is taking action because as long as you have solid reasons to support that yeah this year me not taking action not treating was based on my alcohol washes that show, that said hey there really isn't a mite issue here you, you made a ton of splits we went from uh, five or six nukes up into like 22. 
there was constant brood breaks. So we were we weren't given the ever, opportunity. Do you ever think about treating half the apiary just as an investment, and then you can have your compare and contrast coming out of spring? I, I, there's some things that I want to do, especially with mushrooms and the bees. Yes. Uh, that, but I want to have a separate yard for that. Yeah. So I might take a. I'll have a yard at the farm and the yard here at the house. If you do that, can we get Paul Stamets on the show? That'd be totally cool. That'd be bitching. Yeah, man. That'd be really cool. <laughs> That'd be really cool. Yeah. So, but yeah. So all these things are things that beekeepers think about. Um, and some just they'll they're gonna read beekeepers for dummies and follow as is. Yeah. You know, the three of us here we're more, you know, we're more contrary. We like to. We ask why. We ask why, and then we we need a little bit of uh, supporting evidence. But then we're also in tune with the you know how we're feeling on the inside, how, the, the calling that we have to make action or not take action. And that's a little bit different. In a, well, know, I, think I think part of part of us being contrary is the fact that we surround ourselves with people that are strange too, that always right. ask why and never just take everything for the word. Speaking of strange, here coming up shortly, we're going to have some pretty strange guests like old Jimmy Collins. Oh God, they are strange. Wow, that guy! <laughs> he's got a pretty neat neat uh, approach on on beekeeping it and things very, that he's done, and the unique. lessons that he's learned. Sean Brown will be on soon too. Maybe we can get him together to do a roundtable and all talk about these kind of things. Does he use removable frames? Removable frames in his hives? Sean or Jim? Jim. We'll have to ask him. Okay, I was going to say if not, that's technically illegal, and we have to get the little voiceover thing and change his identity and everything. Oh, right, change the voice. Yeah. Wow. So yeah, so so going going into the winter, we 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 checked mid to late summer on Varroa. It wasn't showing us that I had a problem. I really didn't make the time to do it. At that time, we had um, twenty two hives. Some of them were definitely weak. Um, I did try. Uh, Sean Brown hooked me up with the stuff called Vitabee, which was like a thyme and all kinds of goody stuff mixed in oh, there. I need to give him money for that. I bought some of that. <laughs> yeah, you owe him on that one. Yeah, I should probably text him. <laughs> yeah, well. I tr- I tried to use that on some some of the I had I had about f- three weak hives and uh, they were just too weak it, that didn't even help them they all all three ended up dying um, uh, dying out there but so we went in, we went into I think with uh, seventeen or eighteen at about Thanksgiving and then the, with the warm spell that we had that there was one that had that Vita B applied to it and that that was the last dead one there the rest of them now are all I mean all heavy. Lots of lots of activity, and uh, because we use the migratory tops that we make, that's what I did. Is I, I I shoved all my boxes together. Anything that was in a single medium just got double stacked on top of, on top of another um, oh, okay. medium. Yeah. So I try to get a, a real big heat sink. So I have three different stands that have five or six uh, hives on each one that are all pressed together to kind of create a heat sink, and that's all that I did. They all had I had a lot of honey. Um, now what I did here when we had this warm snap here a week ago today to this day actually it was sixty some degrees and the bees were flying everywhere. Um, I just took some dry sugar and put it not on the hives but out away from the hives. What I noticed when I came down to visit the hives is that there was lots of activity that swirling motion out in front yeah. of the hives, which yeah. sort of looks like you've got um, robbing. Well, at first it looks like you have an emergence that are doing orientation flights. I definitely saw some mm-hmm. of that. But you kind of see the rolling, tumbling kind of a look out front. I knew I had some robbing going on. Yeah. So I saw some dead bees uh, laying around the hives. Um, so I went and got some dry sugar and put that out uh, away from where the hives were. And then it knocked down that activity like significantly. Really? And then wherever I had dry sugar was just loaded full of bees. And there's a certain bee here native to my specific area. has a certain coloration 
and I saw them. So Is I it a honeybee? It's a honeybee, but it has a real dark abdomen. Oh, I've seen and those so around. I, yeah. I've noticed my queens are obviously getting mated from that same line because they're coming back. Yeah. And I've got that same, those same type of bees. Or that when a queen goes out to get mated, she's bringing back uh, workers of, of that line. And they're, yeah. my, the hives are being populated now with that. Um, but um, yeah, so I did that and that, that seemed to help. That's that's the fear that you have this time of year or even in this even uh, early spring is with robbing when you have uh, you know low stores, maybe low health, and you've got uh, the potential for bees to come and rob out what's there. They can do some damage on numbers there um, pretty quick. So um, yeah, so we went into the winter with, I think we're at 17 high. We're at 18. We had one uh, die off there. So we're at 17. They're, they're looking real good so far. And uh, we're just going to keep keep monitoring them, try to make up our mind, put a plan together for next year, and uh, you know, kind of kind of see what happens. But we we're we're going to be bringing uh, packages and nukes up from Don the Fat Bee Man from his yard in Georgia. What's the chances you'll have extra seats in the car for that? I beg your checkbook. <laughs> I mean, if you buy forty packages, you can ride for free. Well, I was thinking we could all three, <laughs> all three of us can deliver the packages, and we can have a traveling road show. I, I believe it's well, like a traveling the, the Great American Bee Tour. Yes. Great American Bee Tour. Yeah, maybe we'll have to do something like that. Yes. So, yep. So, so I think that's that. Pretty much covers. I think we're we're luckily we're all three have bees going into the winter, and we currently have bees, and it'll be be interesting. We'll have to get together again here. I like your show. bee pun. Be interesting. <laughs> and uh, what states are you are you covering? We're going to be delivering. Our, we're leaving. Uh, we're going to come up through Atlanta, and then hit uh, go up through uh, Tennessee, up through Chattanooga, Knoxville, and then come up through through Kentucky, up to Cincinnati, and then up through uh, Columbus, Toledo, Cleveland, Youngstown, and then we're going to go into Pennsylvania, actually Pittsburgh, possibly Harrisburg, and then come back into uh, Ohio from the east side. So, uh, so that, that'll, that'll be a fun new adventure. See um, how that turns out. If you'd like to meet any of us uh, and you live in one of those states, order some bees from Greg. Famous Don't say that because no one will order because we'll we're coming. Everyone hates us. <laughs> <laughs> but well, let's, let, let's get together again here soon and get a uh, like maybe what our goals are for the spring and that for next fun. year. We'll do another episode yep. there and here real soon. We're going to have uh, Jim Jimmy Collins on. We're going to have Sean Brown on. And uh, who knows what we'll, we'll get into. So thanks again be- for listening to us babble on. Definitely check us out on Facebook. Like, comment, share the podcast. If you leave a review on iTunes, I will read it on air. Regardless, regardless what it says. Wow, there you go. Yeah, so make it interesting. And Dan will send you a photo of himself signed. Yes. Wow. I need to get some headshots A signed lithograph. Done. Yeah. From <laughs> Dan Bokris. <laughs> People are really going to expect that. He'll keep the mice out of their basement. There you go. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks for listening. And as always, be the change. One hive at a time. Hasta luego, muchacha. <laughs> <laughs>I think it is Jim Herschel Mordecai Blask. Wow, that could be. <laughs> wow, he's drinking hard. It's, <laughs> is it Sue? A boy named Sue. <laughs> How do you do? <laughs> How do you do? What is your middle name? Matthew.
That's a good Christian name. I know. That's what my grandmother said. She, she wasn't happy. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>